Hi, everyone, and welcome to the GoTech Please Don't Die podcast, a show devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Daniel. I'm Josh. And today, at least for the first part of the show, we're going to be recapping the Bowling Green State game. Josh, what were your thoughts? Uh, I guess initial thoughts was that the defense was really good. The defense carried us to that win, honestly, in my opinion. The offense looked fine for some of the game. They had a few good drives. They had, some, I think, two really awful drives in the first half that were killed by penalties and just general weirdness. But um, it's finally a good win by the dogs. Feels good to beat an opponent, you know, by four scores. Felt good. I mean, we just we got to clean up the penalties. And, I mean, the run game could still be better outside of that big run by Henderson. and Some runs by Dancy, it looked kind of not great on some of those drives. Yeah. Evan, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I think it was a very sort of touch and go game. I mean, ultimately, like Josh said, we won by four scores. I'm happy. I was pretty unhappy. I'd say midway through the third quarter, I was just kind of like, what are we doing? You know, but I just want to touch on this. There were 17 different possessions first half, 17. And let's see, uh, there were a bunch of punts, man. <laughs> <There were. laughs> so both teams scored a touchdown. Then Tech got a pick six. And then there were one, three, four, five, six, seven, eight eight punts in a row and then turnover on down touchdown by tech three more punts and then end of half so pretty pretty bizarre game i mean both teams were kind of going three or four and out and then in the second half bowling green came out and just drove the ball not even that far though because tech just kept going three and out and punting and not punting great usually hey we've been critical of the bend but not break but i mean they did not break like literally at all other than that first drive that i'm pretty sure no one saw because i had turn the game on yet so uh <laughs> it's pretty hard to be critical of a defense that only allows seven points oh yeah no defense yeah the defense is the player of the game straight up i mean we'll single out some individuals later but jesus you allowed seven points and they basically lived on tech's side of the 50 for the entire second half so i mean you cannot complain about that and when you take a look at who tech has played and what they've allowed so far this year first texas right they allowed 5.1 yards per rush against grambling it was down to 4.1 and then tonight they allowed two points five so it's that kind of consistent getting better against defending the run against a team that wants to run the ball and that really makes a lot of difference in a game like this oh yeah that's impressive as hell against this team because like you said this team wants to run the ball and as we saw i mean their poor quarterback is just not <laughs> not great yeah not, not great he hit some throws but not a lot of them yeah, he wasn't expected to be the starter he was brought in as as depth and then the guy they thought they were going to have transfer in wasn't ruled eligible so for what he is on that roster and really he played as well as you can expect them to but Daniel what do you think yeah I really got to agree that the defense today is really the story of the game you know you can't ask for much more especially in the third quarter you could see that they were getting tired but that just didn't stop them they were consistently able to get big stops on fourth down within the 10 yard line you know so just the fact that even though we're giving up big yardage plays every now and again but still able to come up with the stop that's huge and any other year besides this year you just I don't think you would see that or maybe this is just like a one game thing for all we know I I gotta hand it to Bowling Green's punter though that man is good because he was pinning us within our own 10 yard line almost every time so yeah Matt Najarno eight punts for a total of 319 yards which is 39.9 yards for average his long was 55 but four inside the 20 like daniel yeah, said which yeah. is why that average lower because he was booting the hell out of the ball but sometimes they were punting from like the 50 yard line but pinning tech at like the three and then you know we go ultra conservative and that doesn't work for us and i'm not criticizing that when you're inside your own 10 yard line but oh yeah um, you know it, it was really tough for tech to get anything going there for a really long time and most of it was because of that punter honestly 
Yeah, one of the things we tweeted out part way through the game was that there was a period where five straight first downs were all run plays. And that really shows how conservative we were, especially in the second half there. You know, it was always run on first down, attempt a pass or something on second, incomplete or a penalty negates it, and we're back to third and 12. You know, that's much more difficult to work with. So I think that was one of our biggest problems offensive is just, you know, we were being way too predictable with it. Yeah, and that's another stat that's interesting is that we were penalized eight times for 85 yards and at least from my you know off the cuff memory it didn't seem like tech was a very undisciplined team but we got called for what four unsportsmanlike conduct or roughing or like personal fouls in this game that's that's sort of out of character for a skip holtz coach team so that'll be something to keep our eyes on as we get into conference play can we clean that up a little bit i will say that a couple of those i think were pretty questionable but especially like those the few we got in the second half they were they were definitely there and obvious if you read any of the message boards there is a lot of hate for this particular officiating crew and it's not their first game of text that they've called either oh really yeah I mm-hmm. would have to pull more up on that. Mm-hmm. I don't have that ready, but there was a lot of, <laughs> oh, remember this one game? Yeah, that's where this this guy was calling. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I mean, really, the, the main thought about this game, though, is just, I think the announcing crew said that Bowling Green had the ball inside, like, Tex 40, so what we would consider to be a scoring chance, right? That's it's an S&P Plus stat, and they got zero points, like, five times in a row. They were within striking distance of our end zone, and Tech did not allow any points starting in the first half with that four straight plays they stuffed them and now they tried to pass and stuff but you know on fourth down Amik Robertson was not having that fake nonsense they tried to do <laughs> then what three straight drives in the second half to start the second half uh, Bowling Green either missed a field goal or went for it on fourth down and did not get it so Tech's defense I mean they didn't necessarily win this game for us because the offense eventually came around but if they had broken and not just bent right then it would have been a very, very different game because Bowling Green did have chances to put points on board, but ultimately they got the job done. Yeah, so this is the part where we say, did Tech go? And if they did or did not, did they die? Josh, what do you think? Um, Let's see. I mean, they did go. They traveled all the way to Bowling Green, Ohio, <laughs> and they uh, they did not die. They were even close to dying. They may have coughed or choked on their spit a little bit in the second quarter, <laughs> but they didn't die. Evan, what do you think? Uh, so most of Tech went and did not die, but Weston Ellie, poor guy, got oh, sacked God. and then threw a really bad inception, so he did not do too well. Daniel, what you got? Oh, well, they went and they did not die, and that's all I got. <laughs> Very straightforward. It's really tough because we win this game 35-7, to right? And when you win a game with the final score that looks that dominant it really feels hard to complain about things right because you won the game by 28 points the spread was what six or seven or something like that it was up to 13 by kickoff by the yeah, way still actually. even then you double it yeah so yeah. how can you be mad about this but throughout most of this game at least until the backup started coming in near the end it was very much at we should be beating this team so much worse Bowling Green looked worse than Grambling. Bowling Green looked worse than Northwestern did when we played them before. Both times that we played them. This is a team that I'm surprised they even have a one on their record, even though they played an FCS school already. It's just, we were playing this team that looks so bad, and yet we were only able to beat them by 28. 
it doesn't feel like a loss because we won this game, but with Grambling so fresh in our minds, it very much felt like, okay, when are we going to mess this up? When is Bowling Green going to come back? Yeah, yeah. And that never happened, but up until that very end, the very last few minutes of the fourth quarter, there is very much this, okay, wait, no, when are we going to screw this up? I'm not really sure how to shake that <laughs> that headspace or if it's just always going to be there. But yeah, so Tech went. They actually, I think their hotel was in Toledo, Ohio, which is even a little further than Bowling Green. So they went, they went further than they needed to, but they didn't die, right? They won by 28. But <laughs> it's about as stressful of a 28-point victory as you can get. Yeah, and also just random tidbit here. I listened to Dave Nitz and Teddy Allen on the way home from work today before I got home to turn the game on TV. And uh, they said this is only the fifth time Tech has ever played in the state of Ohio. Because it was the third time we've played Bowling Green, but I guess maybe one of those was at home. But anyway, yeah, so we don't go very often to Ohio, so we could have easily died. It's unfamiliar territory. That freezing cold weather. <laughs> 74 degrees. degrees. Yeah, it was 50 <laughs> degrees colder than the field last week. Had to put on two or three layers just to watch the game. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to our players of the game. Daniel, who you got? Okay, I'll give it to my boy, me, first defensive touchdown Damn. of the year. Um, Damn! Should have went with you first, Evan. <laughs> you know, first defensive touchdown of the year, his first interception on the year. Yeah, I think it's got to be him. In a defensive game, our our star defensive player gets it. All right, Josh, you got one? Uh, let's see. Okay, Scott Leffler's red zone decision making. <laughs> <laughs> Care to expand? Um, I mean, do you need to? What more needs to be said? <laughs> on fourth down in the red zone. Twice? Three times, maybe? Four times? And, I don't even know. Yeah, mean. it was a lot. And then when they finally decide to kick it, when they finally decide to kick it, <laughs> wide left. Poor kicker, man. <laughs> more seriously, I'd say uh, Michael Sam. He did a great job. It seemed like they were targeting him a lot uh, on the passing game, and he did a great job. I mean, he didn't get hit for a touchdown. He didn't get burned often. He did a good job. Officially, the stat is they were one for five on fourth down. And so I'm kind of basing mine off of your first joke answer, I guess. And I'm going to pick for the player of the game, uh, Go Tech, Please Don't Die podcast first. I'm picking a player on the other team. I'll say Nate Needham, and not just because he has a pretty cool first name. <laughs> he missed that field goal, right? And they had been going for it on fourth down before that. That wasn't the thing that made them start going for it on fourth down and try to get back into this game. But if you're a head coach and you're thinking, okay, it's 21 to 7 at halftime, we need to get back into this. If you don't think your kicker is with you, if you don't think that you have an automatic three points when you enter the red zone, then that's going to affect your decision making and make you start going forward on fourth down even more especially when it was 21 to 7 make it 21 to 10 that's still a two possession game but it impacts how the rest of the game can be played and so i'm not trying to dunk on nick needham because he's historically a pretty good kicker but if you miss one like that that really impacts how the entire game gets played out to add on to about the kicker i mean they had three straight drives where if they had just made a field goal it would have been a five point game you know because they were down 21 to 7 that whole time and they went forward on fourth and didn't get it they missed a field goal then they went forward on fourth and didn't get it again all while it was 27 so it could have been 21 16 if they had just gone for the kick so i mean I mean, that's assuming they make them too, but yeah. Right, that's... right. Obviously they missed one, so either he wasn't confident or like we kind of touched on earlier, once you go for it that first time and then the next, you know, maybe you went for it on fourth and four and didn't get it. And now it's fourth and two where you're like, well, I can get four two, right? I'm going to go ahead and, and give my player of the game to uh, Aaron Roberson, who, you know, gets picked on a little bit when he's on the field because he's a cornerback whose name is very similar to Amik Robertson, but he's just not, his number's close too, but he's, you know, 
know, he's not a meek, but he had a really strong game. He broke up a few passes, uh, jumped a route, would have picked the ball off. It wasn't way over his head. So he just kind of, he jumped that route and tipped it up in the air because the ball was just sailed over. But he played really well and, you know, I think maybe showed some teams in CUSA that you can't just throw the ball to the opposite side of the field that Amik is not on and think that you're going to get away with it all the time. Yeah, I do want to add an honorable mention here, though. I want to say that Brady Farlow, he's not been the greatest punter that we've <laughs> ever had, but he had some solid kicks there near the end. He had six kicks, two inside the 20, which impressive 50-yard kick for one of them. Like, we haven't been able to count on our punting, and we really weren't able to count on our punting in the first half, but the more he kicked, the better he seemed to get. Yeah, and, and I'll give another honorable mention as well to Aaron Allen, who came in on that final drive after Elliott's bad throw and interception and uh, led the team down the field, would have scored a touchdown probably if we were still going for it. He, he led a 13-play, 73-yard drive, 5 for 5 on that drive. So I'm just a just a really good showing for him to come in late in the game and, and really just have fun and, and get to ball out. So 57 yards drive, he averaged 11.4 attempt. And that's, that's your third-string quarterback going up against, you know, the ones and twos of an FBS opponent. So, I mean, hey, we'll take it. All right, well, we'll be right back after this break. Hi, and welcome back. Now we'll start to preview Tech's next matchup against FIU. Evan, how do you see this game going? Uh, FIU so far this year has been either real, real bad, or they've been missing their key player, James Morgan. So FIU so far this year got blown out to Tulane when they were road dogged by three points in the Yulman Stadium down there in New Orleans. You know, so that was pretty much predicted to be a push and a really good game between two teams that are supposed to be decent this year. And FIU lost for 42 to 14. So um, not a great start. And then of course, James Morgan went down two weeks ago against Western Kentucky and they end up losing to Western Kentucky. That's really inexcusable for a team that was supposed to contend for the East to lose to a bottom of the barrel team. And then this past week, you know, they kind of struggled with New Hampshire at home, but they ended up winning, getting their first win on the season. So it's kind of, they've looked real bad so far. You want to feel confident about it, but at the same time, this was a team that was predicted to contend for the East and really have a pretty good year so uh that's just sort of my initial thoughts about the game what what about you Nate what are you yeah and I think as tech fans we're kind of used to what a disappointing season feels like right like we're all hyped up ready to go and oh, oh it looks like we're not as great as we thought we are and I've never seen that more true in a team than what FIU looks like this year yeah because think about the beginning. They were picked to finish second in Kusa East. They received nine of the 52 first place votes in the conference. That's that's a about as hyped up as you can get. Yeah. Marshall was picked to win that division, but still, like that's a very good, we're going to be a good team. This. Yeah, you go down to New Orleans, you lose to Tulane, 42 to 14. That's just one of those games where it shoots you in the gut. And after that, yeah, you lose your quarterback to Western Kentucky. You lose your quarterback for a couple games there. And remember, Western Kentucky was that Kusa team that lost to an FCS school this year. They lost to Central Arkansas the week before they beat FIU. I'm not sure if that says something about Western Kentucky or about FIU there, but... <laughs> that's that's kind of crazy to think how quickly you fall thinking about where your team is if you're FIU. Yeah, so they lose their quarterback. They struggle against New Hampshire. With nine minutes left in that game, the score was only 20-17 to 17 FIU. And it took a lateral during a punt return to score the next touchdown to make it 27-17. to 17. <laughs> Wow. That's just, that's not where you want to be as a football program. Uh, Josh, do you have any thoughts about it? Uh, only a few. I mean, FIU 
two, you know, bad start. And they finally get a win last week against New Hampshire. And New Hampshire doesn't look to be a particularly good FCS school either. So, I mean, yeah, they're missing their starting quarterback. And they're going to go run heavy, it seems, from their box score of the last week game. So, I mean, our run defense has been better, especially this after playing Bowling Green. Yeah. So, I, I can't really – I really have no idea what to think of about this game. Yeah, and I, I think one of the key things before we get into, you know, how Tech can win and how Tech lose, we don't know at this point when we're recording if James Morgan is going to play. He was expected to be ready and available for their game against New Hampshire, but ended up sitting out. So I kind of expect to be playing Friday night, but he injured his ankle against Western Kentucky. So that's kind of one of those things where you might think you're ready to go, but then you start running around in pregame warmups and you're like, oh crap, I'm actually only at 50%, not at 90% like I thought. So uh, we'll, we'll see, but, you know, pay attention to the normal tech news sources to see later in the week if he's expected to play this Friday. Yeah. And like you said, it's on Friday. That, yeah. Not the shortest week, but that's one fewer day for him to be able to get ready to play. But also, like you said, he was kind of expected to play against New Hampshire. Maybe it being an FCS school, you'd think not risk your starting quarterback in that kind of situation and make sure he's 100%. So I'm of the opinion that he'll play Friday night, but yeah, you, you really don't know. Yeah. So Tech is favored by FBI. FBI gives Tech a 62.8% chance to win. Win. Massey gives Tech also about a 62% chance. Uh, Josh, how do you think Tech can win this game? I think Tech leans pretty heavy on passing game. Again, that seems to work out really well for us, especially when Jay Martin's receivers are on. And, uh, you know, besides that, the defense just needs to keep doing what they did against Bowling Green. You know, bend but not break. Not my favorite way of playing defense, but it's working out so far for us. We held Bowling Green to seven points and, you know, can't be upset with that. Yeah, Evan? Yeah, I mean, I think we kind of say the same things every week, right? Last year's FIU fan, real, real bad at stopping run. And that has hasn't exactly been a strength for Tech's offense so far this year. But, you know, stop me if you've heard this before, but we need to get some ground support going so that J-Mar can have success through the air against what's actually a pretty decent secondary. Obviously, our game plan needs to be J-Mar needs to sling the ball to our talented wide receivers. I'm just saying we need to not end up in like third and 12. We need to not end up in like third and nine every single time it's third down. So I think get the run going a little bit to help out and just get rid of some of those errors from last week. And I think we're going to win this game fairly easily i mean it is a conference opponent that again has a lot of talent and was picked to be a contender so i I don't think this is a game to take lightly, but at the same time, Tech should be able to exploit some of the same things that they looked real bad against Tulane and um, not great in their other two games either. So I think it's really just about playing Tech's game and they should be able to come out of here with win. Yeah, and my answer to how can Tech win is also kind of a copy and paste from previous weeks. We need to stop the run. FIU likes to run the ball a lot, right? They average 173 yards per game on the ground and only 133 through the air. So yeah, we need to stop the run. We also need to protect Jamar. We had success on offense last week when Jamar didn't need to run for his life and run around like that. And if we can check both those boxes, if we can stop the run and protect Jamar, Tech can win this game, like you said, easily. Will they win it easily? I don't know. But if they do those two things right, they can. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's worth noting too that, like you said, when Jamar wasn't running for his life, he was sacked, I think, five times in the first half last week against Bowling Green. And then in the second half, he was sacked zero times. So, I mean, the 
offense didn't get going right away in the third quarter, but they got going second half because Jamar had a little bit more time throw. And that's going to be vitally important, not just in this game, but really in every game. Because others seeing that on tape saying, hey, Bowling Green was able to stop this offense when they were sacked. So we're just going to bring pressure. Um, and so if we can't figure out a way to do that, we may be having trouble for the rest of this year. Yeah. Josh, how do you think Tech can lose this game? Other than what Evan just said there at the end. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. No, Tech can, you know, just implode on itself play calling wise again watch them call a bunch of you know qb draws or inside zones and we can't get a running game going we bleed a lot of clock and then fiu manages to score quickly on us that's kind of what happened in the second half of the grambling game i'd really rather not see us repeat that and have some real anemic play calling for the offense yeah evan what do you think yeah i think one thing that's worth noting here i've kind of been alluding fiu is probably better than their one and two start bill c of sp plus was super high on fiu in his 2019 season previews for each team he seemed to think they were going to take a big step forward from last season when they went nine and four so i mean obviously they're not off to a great start in making that a reality but they do have two of their top three receivers from last year return to what was the 29th ranked sp plus passing offense but their offensive coordinator like we talked about before likes to run the ball maybe more than he even should with such a dynamic passing attack so and obviously you know we don't know who their quarterback's going to be this week and it's kind of a different game we'll talk about that in a little bit but in their one full game with Morgan this season it was a blowout loss so it's hard to say that their play calling of 34 past 26 rushes will hold up against Tech if Morgan plays uh, but I think we can lose by letting him reconnect with that passing game and, and really get it jump started here against us because we've seen that Tech even though our secondary is our strength on defense we've seen that we're not really getting a lot of pressure on quarterbacks so far this season and if we give Morgan a, a clean pocket to throw in he's going to pick us apart and there's not much the secondary can do about that against such dynamic passing attack. So uh, I sort of think James Morgan coming back and having a great day through the air, as well as what I've already said about the offense not getting going. Yeah, and I will just, I guess, copy and paste from Evan this time. Yeah, Tech can lose this game if James Morgan plays and he finds his groove. After getting injured in the Western Kentucky game, Morgan was expected to play against New Hampshire, like we said, and he didn't. And while Kalen Higgins, the backup quarterback, he's played well enough in that game, right? He went 12 for 18, 127 yards, no touchdowns touchdowns but also no picks but if Morgan is back, the Golden Panthers will have their senior signal caller back. But even if he's back, James Morgan needs to play well. That's not a guarantee. Like you said, against Western Kentucky, Morgan did not have all that creative a game. Morgan went three for 11. His quarterback rating was 46.4. And that's surprising when Morgan led all grad transfers last year in quarterback rating. So yeah, so if he can refine his groove, find his connection with his receivers that he had last year, that's a pretty easy way that Tech can lose this game. Yeah, he had a QBR of 5.8. So uh, so not not great hmm. there. His, his passer rating was 46.4. Against Tulane, he went 19 for 34, so 55, 56% completion, 208 yards, one TD, one interception. So nothing great, but again, that was a blowout loss. So that's an entire team failure there, not just on him. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Josh, do you have any players to watch on the game Friday night? Yeah, keep watching the defensive players. I like watching the linebackers. I'm excited about Colin Scott. Yeah, excited to watch him. The defense is the most exciting part of football to me lately. So I'm yeah. a meek always. Yeah, after last, how could they not be? Yeah. On the FIU side, 
side, I'm, you know, really nervous about a couple players, one defensive, one offensive. On the defensive side, they've got a senior linebacker named Sage Lewis, who was voted the preseason defensive player of the year by the CUSA coaches. So far, he's leading their team with 22 tackles. So he's leading up to that. He's got 11 solo tackles, a fumble recovery and an interception. That's in three games where the whole team did not look good at all. Last year, he led the entire conference with 132 tackles and 83 solo tackles. So the dude has a an absolute nose for the football and will find you and bring you down. So he could be a key in making sure we get a lead blocker on him when we're trying to run the ball. The other guy is really interesting to me. His, his name's Maurice Alexander. He's a senior wide receiver who was their quarterback actually before James Morgan transferred in. Then he transitioned to wide receiver and punt returner. Uh, so he finished last season with 40 receptions, which was actually first on the team. That's the thing. They spread the ball around to a lot of guys. So like their leading receiver last year in a passing offense that again was 29th rated in the country had 40 receptions. So that's not a lot. He was also named to the first team CUSA special teams as the punt returner in the preseason. So uh, look for him to make an impact. Nathan, you got anybody else? Yeah. And I'll add on Kalen Wiggins, that backup quarterback. So he took over from James Morgan when James Morgan went down and Wiggins is more of a dual threat kind of quarterback. He's rushed the ball 29 times this year and he's averaged 7.3 yards per carry. 7.3 yards per carry is hard enough to achieve, but to do it over 29 carries is yeah super impressive. To contrast, Anthony Jones, the leading running back on the team, only has 143 yards on 42 carries, which is 3.4 wow. yards per carry. So Wiggins is outrunning the running backs by quite a bit. And he's only played in like one and a half games too. Yeah. So And true, one yeah. of those was an FCS school, but still, that's impressive. Yeah. And so even if James Morgan is back, if FIU is struggling on the ground or maybe Morgan just doesn't have it or just as a Taysom Hill kind of uh, change of pace kind of play, put in Wiggins for a play or two and see what happens because he can he's thrown the ball well, not as well as Morgan, but well enough that his stat line looks all right. But if he can get the game going on the ground or just have him as a change of pace guy, then that's something that could change how FIU competes in this game. Yeah, I'm not sure how QBR is uh, calculated, but he has like a 97 QBR for that New Hampshire game. And I think they really, really like running quarterbacks. So that's a little bit misleading, I would say. But he pretty much killed it in that game against New Hampshire, even though his passing stats, like you said, were fine, but nothing to write home about. But the fact that he can take off and run on the ground. Yeah, he was 12 for 18, 127 yards through the air, and then 14 carries for 187 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. So honestly, like you're saying, I, I would not be surprised to see him on the field just to scare Tech into taking a timeout or something like that, you know? Like, it's a totally different quarterback to game plan for, and they may take advantage of that. Yeah, so let's go ahead and do our final predictions. Josh, what's yours? I'll go with uh, the smart guys over at ESPN and everything. I think Tech wins by about eight or nine. So let's say 30 to 21, Tech. All right, Evan? Yeah, I mean, Tech's defense looked real, real good. Now, it was against Bowling Green, so I don't know how much we can take <laughs> away from that. But uh, I feel like FIU's terrible start to the season is going to turn around at some point, but I don't know if it's against us. So the offenses look good at times, but we've yet to put together four good quarters in a row. Uh, so that would be great to see. I'm hoping that happens this weekend against a team that's just been down in the dumps to start out the season. So I actually picked FIU in this game in our preseason predictions, but I was wrong. Dogs are going to win 31 to 18. Let's get it. All right. Yeah. And I really think this game depends on if James Morgan plays, right? If he's back from his injury or not. Yeah. I think yeah. Tech can win no matter which quarterback plays, but there's a reason why Morgan was the starter, and that's because he's the better passer. Massey has Tech winning by six. 
I know ESPN has it eight or nine. It's all kind of those two possession games, but that really just seems very low to me. I can't see us winning by only that much if the FIU school that's played three games so far is the one that shows up in Ruston Friday night. That said, yeah. we all found faults in Tech's game against Bowling Green. We definitely found quite a few faults against uh, Texas yeah. and Grambling, but <laughs> the Bulldogs have improved game over game this year, and I can't really say that for FIU. And so if you look at momentum or whatever it's called for game to game progress, Tech is winning that battle. So I'll be optimistic and say that that trend continues and the Bulldogs win, I'll say 42-17. Dang, I'll take it. I will absolutely take that. And it's not like I've ever been known to be too optimistic about a Tech <laughs> game before. So go ahead and knock off 14 points from that score. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and maybe add 13 or so to FIU's. <laughs> Divide both sides by two. Yeah. Add a one. square root. All right, uh, Evan, you got <laughs> some news about the contest? Yeah, so I want to give a shout out first and foremost to our Matt correspondent extraordinaire Jake for winning this week with uh, 16 points overall. The average score was still around nine and a half uh, this week. So part of the problem this week was the opposite of last week where nobody picked Tech to win by only six points against Grambling. Nobody picked Tech to win by 28 or more against Bowling Green. So not very many people scored points. But for the preview this week, we got a punting question because last week there were a lot of punt. Um, so I want to hear you guys' thoughts on predict the average yards per punt for Tech punter. So what, what you got for that? Punting is one of those weird stats, right? It's not just how far can you kick the ball. There's a goal line in the way and sometimes kicking the ball 38 yards is better than 39 because 39 ends up in the end zone yeah. but tech has struggled this year on getting solid punts they've had a few but farlow's just in a nod to previous versions of jamar has been consistently inconsistent kicking the ball tech has averaged 37.7 net average punt yards but i'll go ahead and just say 38 because that seems about right yeah so last week farlow punted six times for 238 yards which is an average of 39.7 but he had a along a 50 you know if tech's punting from their own side of the 50 the dude can kick it pretty far but you know if we're punting from midfield maybe he only kicks it 36 yards but that's a good punt you know this one's pretty tough i would probably also go with something you'd be probably okay and score some points as long as you just put literally his average going to the game so unless he only punts like twice and both of them are blocked or both of them are 65 yard punts you're gonna score josh you got any extra thoughts on that? oh i say go with 40 yards that's a good number just yeah. round it up nice nice good round number. even number <laughs> all right and again we are back to backing evan's segments here evan you got yeah, a tweet of the week i rule the end of the podcast but yeah so i was just looking earlier and i came across a tweet from an fiu fan page and in the interest of keeping the explicit tag off of this episode as well he said f it i'm going to become an fiu soccer blog at some point during their game against new hampshire so that pretty much gives you an idea of how their fans are feeling about the seed so far they did pull out a victory there against uh new hampshire but you got a fan blog there you know just becoming a soccer page so uh you hate to see it and hopefully those feelings continue this weekend <laughs> yeah I, I think that about wraps it up for this week on the go tech please and die podcast as always you can follow us on twitter at g-o-t-e-c-h-p-l-s-d-n-t-d-i-e or go to our blog for more content that we produce throughout the year including game recaps and previews and a few other miscellaneous things that's at gtpdd.dot and until next time, I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. I'm Sam Darnold. <laughs> and go you have to mono. <laughs> Please, please don't die. Nobody kiss me. Good <laughs> uh, night.
Yeah, yeah. I mean, tech went and they did not die. So um, um, I had something to say, but now forgetting it. Uh, bam, bam, uh, bam. <laughs> this is the outro after the credits. Go. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. I got something funny to say now. <laughs> okay. <laughs>